Well, good morning. Good morning. We're going to continue in 1 John this morning. We're going to be in chapter 1, verses 5 through 10, which I entitled Walking in the Light. Uh, John uses a series of contrasts. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But in this one, it's light and darkness is the primary contrast. And uh, obviously, those who walk in the light are believers, and those who walk in darkness are not. And he is going to do some defining in them. Gnosticism, once again, plays a vital, uh, not vital, but plays a, uh, plays a, uh, a, uh, a marked role in this. Some of the, the teachings that will, will uh, develop into the, uh, to the uh, second century full-blown Gnostic heresy are, are being seen here as John... Uh, as John goes through this book, so or as we, actually through the whole book, yes, but uh, especially in a couple of the verses here, he he touches on some of their some of their teaching, uh, some of the early uh, teaching. This at this at this instant, at the time of John's writing in the first century, uh, it was called insepit Gnosticism. It was the beginning, the pinings of it. It was it was taking root, especially in the East, and that's where he is. It came out of the Eastern schools. Um, I had one professor one time said most of the heresies of the early church came out of the east <laughs> that's that's where they came from they, because they because the greeks they were they were steeped in greek philosophy and they brought it into the church they tried to synchronize greek philosophy with christian teaching and that's where a lot of this that's where a lot of this uh that's where a lot of this came from, uh, which is odd to think that uh, the church that became the Roman Catholic Church was the fundamental church of that day. But at any rate, at any rate, uh, 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 I'm getting off track. But at any rate, this morning we're going to be looking at these these first five uh, verses uh, or these first six verses, I guess it is, of, uh, uh, of uh, uh, a first, or these, these last six verses of the first chapter of John 5 through 10. Okay, so this morning we're going to, we're breaking this down in, in, in uh, verse 1, or verse 5 as God is light, and then uh, verses 6 and 7 as walking in the light produces fellowship, and 8 and 10, walking in the light requires confession, and those, that's kind of the way this, this, this text flows around, around the theme of light. Verse, verse 5 is a, once again, a declaration of, of the message and the subject of the message. Uh, it gives us some information about God, about his, his, his essential essence is what, is what John is going to say here. And he begins by saying this in verse 5. He says, And this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. That's the statement that John is making here. He, he begins by saying, this is the message, which English doesn't really convey what the Greek is, is indicating here. This is an emphatic statement. It's not simply, oh, here's the message. That's, that's kind of the way the English comes across. Uh, this, uh, this, uh, uh, the verb here has the sense of exist. Uh, and so the, the, the beginning text is something like this. There exists this message exclamation point. That's that's really that's really how this uh, how this begins. Uh, this message exists. That's that's the uh, that's the sense of it that he wants it wants uh, wants us to understand. He he's pointing out in in saying it that way. What he's pointing to is the importance of this message. It's timeless significance, uh, and it uh, and it didn't originate with John or any of the others. 
meaning, therefore, it's not changeable. It's a solid, clear, self-existent message about God, and it's going to tell us about his nature. Uh, and he goes, this is the message we heard from him. It tells us where it came from. The message didn't originate with the apostles. It originated with God himself. That's the, uh, that's the idea here. It, it, uh, uh, it, was, it was God's message delivered through the Son. That's, that's the idea. Uh, that that John is expressing when he says this, he says we heard it from him. It was it was declared by Jesus Christ. You note in verses uh, verses one and three of chapter one, he also said, "We have heard from him." That's that's the importance here. The importance is this is not a man made message. This is a divine message delivered to men through God. That's that's the point he's trying to trying to express here. In the Old Testament, Psalms thirty six nine, uh, he says, "In your uh, in in your sight we see light." That's that's the idea here. That's that's what he's wanting us to understand. Isaiah forty nine uh, verses six and Second Peter uh, uh, chapter one uh, chapter one seven through uh, nineteen all express this idea: the source of the message, and that's what John is 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 is, is wanting these people to have uh, fixed in their mind. This is not a man made message. It's a divine message. And then he goes on and he says, and we declared it to you. This is the part that John had in it. John is taking the message that Jesus Christ delivered to him, God's ordained message, and he's delivering it to you. That's that's what he's saying. I'm bringing it to you. Uh, John the uh, uh, John is an apostle, which uh, he received the message, and he was charged to declare the message. That's ultimately what what an apostle is, a messenger, someone who is sent with a message to declare a message. That's the idea behind it. Uh, and, he, and, he, and he goes on that this is not just information, but it's command. Uh, he was sent to do that. When God speaks, the idea is we obey, which is kind of a good idea, you know. Second uh, Corinthians five twenty. Paul saw himself and all believers as ambassadors. Uh, this was transferred to us today. Uh, this duty to share the message. An ambassador is one who's sent by a sovereign uh, to declare his words. That's that's the idea uh, behind it. It's one who delivers uh, a sovereign's message. In this case, we know that message is from God. That's that's the idea John is saying. What uh, uh, and this is the message that we heard from him and declare to you. That's that's what he's saying. And then he's going to give us some information about the message. And the first thing he says, the first thing he says is, God is light. This is what he tells us. God is light. It's a description of God's nature. It's part of his his essential nature. This is part of whom God is. God is light. That's what what he's telling us here. Uh, he, He is light. John 4.24 tells us that, John, that, that God is spirit. That's another part of his essence. First uh, John 4.16, God is love. That's another part of his essence. Understand, you can't turn those words around. You can't say light is God. You can't say love is God. And you can't say spirit is God. God is made, God in his essence is these things. Uh, the focus point is on God himself. That's, that's the idea here. Uh, 
<clears throat> this statement is he heard and he's declared is being declared by John that the word of life, Jesus Christ, speaks of the essence of the nature of God and it permeates the rest of the book. That's what that's what uh, that's what he's saying here. He says he, he says he is the light, uh, not the bearer of light, and not that he has not that not that he has light. That's not the idea here. Even though he created light in Genesis 1-3, he is in himself uncreated light, made visible in Jesus Christ. John 8-12, I'm the light of the world. That's what Jesus told us. I am the light of the world. Uh, in the, Nic- in the ne- uh, Nicene Creed that was uh, written around 325 AD, uh, the creed says this, uh, we believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, one in being with the Father. And we, that would be the doctrine that we would hold to today as well. That would be part of our statement today. Uh, he, is, he is true light. And that's that's the the idea here. Uh, examples of God's light in Exodus chapter thirteen twenty one through twenty two in the in the in the Exodus God led Israel through the wilderness uh, by shading them in the light of day and having a pillar of fire to give them light in the night according to Exodus uh, thirteen that was a, it was it was to give them it was to give them to give them light during the day. Uh, Moses, when he came down from Sinai, he, his, his face reflected the light of God so brightly that the people couldn't look at it. That, that's, 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 that's the idea here. Uh, in the Transfiguration, in Matthew 7, 2, it tells us that his face shone like the sun and his garments became white as light as the glory, as his glory broke through the humanity. God is light. That's, that's the idea here. And his holiness, his, his essence of his person is, is described as light, brightness, shining, blinding, in fact. Paul tells us what light means to the Christian life in 2 Corinthians chapter excuse me 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 4 through 6 Paul Paul wrote this Well let's begin at verse 3 even, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. We do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, and, our, uh, and ourselves as your slaves for the sake of Jesus. For, for God who said, Light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's that's the idea here. That's how we are to understand light in this sense. It's the glory of God. It's a glory of God. Uh, in, in Psalms 19, 130, it says, The unfolding of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Romans 3.12 Paul wrote, The night is almost gone and the day is at hand. Therefore, let us lay aside, lay aside, 
let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Uh, that's the, that's the, the task of the Christian in, in, in our salvation. And then he goes on and he says that, that, that the light reveals truth and it calls for righteous conduct. That's ultimately what he is saying here. He says, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Uh, light dispels darkness. That's that's the that's the idea here. Uh, God, um, John, throughout this book, makes a lot of contrast. Uh, here he is contrasting light and darkness. Uh, he is also going to tra- uh, contrast truth and falsehood, love and hate, right and wrong, life and death, faith and unbelief. All of those things he's going to contrast. He's going to say it's this or it's this. That's, that's really what he's saying. Uh, he makes those contrasts. And here is an emphatic negative basically to, 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 to stress a positive. And the positive is there is no darkness in God. Which, you know, I, I, I think sometimes we think, you know, we can hide from God. You know, that's just a, a lie. <laughs> you can't. His light takes out all darkness. There is no dark corner to hide in. It may be dark on the planet, but God is still light. That, that's that's the, the idea here. He, it's, it's an emphatic negative that stresses the positive. God is light, and, and God and darkness are diametrically opposed. Darkness cannot affect him. It can't dim him in any way, is the idea. Uh, we have... And we have fellowship with God, we can't be in darkness. If we're to have fellowship with God, we can't live in darkness. That's the idea. And God is the light, the glory, the truth, the holiness, and purity. That's what this light speaks of. It speaks of these things. It speaks of of glory. It speaks of truth. It speaks of holiness. It speaks of purity. That's that's the idea here. Uh, John John is coming to them and basically telling them this. He says, this is the God we serve. He's the God of light, and there is no darkness in him. There is no darkness in him at all. He's emphatic about that. Believers, <clears throat> believers of course, fall short of perfection. He's not, not calling us to, uh, to, to reach the level of perfection in this life. He's going to talk about that in, in some other verses as we move on. Uh, but the true believer will demonstrate a desire to be moving toward righteousness, to to be moving to living in the light, if you will. Philippians 3, 7 through 16. I'm not going to read that whole passage, but that's the passage where Paul talks about, he talks about all the things he did in his pharisaical life. And he says, of every human work I have ever done, I count them as nothing but excrement ultimately is what he says there and he's and then he goes on to say but i press toward the prize of the high calling in christ jesus that's that's what the christian is to be doing that's that's the idea here philippians 3 7 through 16 in in this context so you're saying a true believer should desire to live in the light what did you you said something and i'm oh good Sorry. I can play the tape uh, back, maybe. So, uh, I'm just trying to relate it to the, you know, what we're talking about, about the light. 
Well, the, light, the, the true believer, to have fellowship with God, uh, we can't live in darkness. Okay. That, that's the idea. Uh, and, and in the light, we see God's glory, His truth, His holiness, and His purity. And that we're to be pressing toward that in our life. That's the idea. Verses 6 and 7, walking in the light produces fellowship. In these next five verses... It's going to lay out like this. The first, the first verse, verse 5, is a statement about God, about God's essential nature. That's a statement about God. Based upon that statement about God, who is light and in which there is no darkness, he is now going to start talking about, he's going to start talking to the believer about living in the result of that life, and he's going to do it this way. He's going to give, he's going to give five verses here, uh, of which three of them are negative. They're, ne- they're all conditional. They're all conditional sentences. They all are if this and, and so on. Uh, so they're all conditional and they, and they describe a possibility or a probability. And verses five, or excuse me, six, eight, and ten are negative. Verses seven and nine are positive. But they're all conditional statements, and that's the way they, that's the way they, they, they lay out. Uh, the first one then is, is verse six. He says, "If we say that we have fellowship with him, this is the condition. If that's your claim, if your claim is I have fellowship with God, and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not know the, do not do the truth." Uh, that's 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 what he's saying here. Here's the condition. If we say we have fellowship, but if this is the reality, then the then then it's a lie. That's, that's, that's what he's saying here. The negative. Fellowship was, uh, was introduced in verse 3. It, it has the idea of an ultimate sharing in the full light of God. In this context, it would mean to ultimately share in the full light of God's presence, where nothing is hidden from his light. Uh, i.e. divine revelation Uh, in verse 1 the word of life Jesus is called the word of life a place where darkness cannot hide uh, for there is no darkness in him according to verse 5 that's the idea here this is an intimate close fellowship with God is the idea that is being expressed here so to claim fellowship with God is a claim to be a Christian that's what this is saying it's saying, if we say this, then we're claiming to be a Christian. That's, that's ultimately what he's saying. And then he says, and then he uses the word walk in darkness, which is a present tense verb, which basically means a habitual, ongoing lifestyle. It doesn't mean a momentary lapse. It doesn't mean, yeah, once in a while I do something stupid. It doesn't mean that. It means how I live my life. My, my life is continually a walk in, in the dark. That, that's what he's saying here. The normative way I lead my life is that of darkness, in, or i.e. sin, uh, literally, is the, is the, it would be the idea here. It means a conduct of life. Your thoughts, Dr. Thomas in his, in his, uh, his exegesis of First uh, John said, it means, it's a, it, it means a conduct of life, thought and deed, the whole life, the inward and the outward. That's how you live your life. Uh, that's, what, that's how walk is to be understood. Uh, once again, we come back to the, Greek te- to the Gnostic teaching. That the, the Gnostics were teaching that how one lived in the physical mat- or the material body had no effect on the spirit. 
That was their teaching. There was this dualism. There was a separation. The, the physical life, the material life, didn't affect the spiritual life. The spirit was good. The body was evil, so it didn't matter. Uh, this is libertinism. And basically, you can live any way you want because the body doesn't matter. You know, that's, that's, that's what they taught. Some practiced it that way. Others took it, took it to, a, to another extreme, and that extreme expressed itself later on in, in the Roman Catholic Church as monasticism. You know, where you locked yourself away in a monastery and you flagellated yourself to beat the sin out of you and all of that kind of thing that those monks did. You didn't talk. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. Somehow this work system of self-abuse brought you closer to God. That was the other side of it, the the aesthetics, uh, how you how you how you how you conducted yourself. One was one was live however you want. And the other one was beat yourself. You know, ultimately, uh, those were the two forms. Here he's talking about the form where it says, doesn't matter what you do. Doesn't matter what you do. That doesn't affect the spirit. Incidentally, uh, note the church of Thyatira in Revelation uh, 2, 18 through 19. The church basically was a good church, except for it had one problem. It entertained the teachings of Jezebel, in other words, sexual immorality. Uh, they, they, they allowed for a libertine lifestyle within their assembly. And, and Jesus tells them to be done with that, <laughs> ultimately, is the, is the idea that that's not a part of it. Incidentally, this is, you know, you, you, we talk about Gnosticism in the first century, this first, second century A.D. It's alive and well today. Mm-hmm. Understand, it is very much alive and well today. This is the teaching of Christian science. This is their teaching. I, I looked at it, I looked up uh, Marietti Baker's Unity of Good, and I t- took three quotes from, from her teaching. She says, God knows no such thing as sin. Does that square with your scriptures? I, I, uh, we are still near to him. We must for, forever lose our consciousness of error. I don't know about you, but I make lots of mistakes. So I, I don't have, I have a consciousness of error. So then she went on to say, sin is the unrestricted and the unhandled, uh, unhandled belief in a material sense of existence. In other words, the material life, you just pass it over to count it as if it doesn't exist. It doesn't count. That's what she's saying. That's the teaching of Christian science. That's Gnosticism. That's Greek philosophy. You understand that? That's, that's the idea here. Habakkuk one thirteen says, Your eyes are too pure to see evil, and you cannot look on trouble. James one thirteen. What did I do with it? There we go. James 1.13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot, cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not attempt, uh, does not tempt anyone. Uh, this is the, the exact opposite of the biblical teaching. The darkness, in darkness we are walking, is, is, is literally what, what he's saying here. In darkness we are walking. No, darkness is error, deception, uh, ignorance, impurity, sin. They are the exact opposite of how God is expressed in verse 5 as light. They are exact opposite. And what this is saying is while these people may call themselves Christians, the truth is seen in their view of sin. 
if sin is mourned over, they're probably a they're a Christian. If you feel bad about your sin, you go to God, and we'll see next verses in confession. But if you go to God and you mourn over your sin, then you're associated with God. But these people would excuse, deny their sin. They don't walk in the light. Uh, the first ones who do walk in the light are believers. The second ones who, wa- are, who do not walk in the light, who walk in darkness, are not believers. That's ultimately what he is saying here. Uh, John says the person who declares, who declares to be walking in the light while he is, uh, uh, and has fellowship in that light, it's simply a lie. One who lives their life in a constant, in a habitual state of sin lies when he says he has fellowship with God. That's the idea here. Dr. Thomas, again, in his, in his exegesis of John said, outside the New Testament in legal writings, uh, to denote a false statement made while under oath is perjury. In other words, these people are are perjuring themselves before God. That's that's the idea uh, that's being expressed here. Uh, John is saying, in a conflict between walk and talk, walk wins. You can talk all you want, but how you live your life says who you are. Uh, that's That's what John is saying here. He says, He says, we walk in darkness, we lie, and we do not know the truth. And he says, we do not know the truth. A habitual, a normal lifestyle that is counter to to the biblical teaching, to the gospel, is a lie. And that you don't know the truth. Matthew uh, chapter 7. I figure it's okay to go to this text today because it'll be at least six months before Pastor Steve gets here. But, so, And then he can explain it more fully. You know, I try to be detailed, but I've never met a man more detailed. Yeah, I love it, but anyway. Anyhow, uh, verse uh, chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, in your name we did. Did we not prophesy? Did we not cast out demons? Uh, Did we not do miracles? And he will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness or live in darkness, if you will, is the the idea here. Uh, What comes out of your mouth is one thing. How you live your life is the test. James chapter 2, uh, verses 7 through 20, is, which is the famous passage on the contrast between faith and works and, wor- and faith being demonstrated by works, ultimately is saying just exactly that. You can say all you want to about your faith, but how do you live your life? What do you do? That's what James says. What you do says what you believe. That's that's ultimately what that passage. Uh, that's ultimately what that passage tells us. And now he gives the positive in verse seven. Verse seven goes to the positive side. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. So here's the positive: if we walk in the light, this again is a continual present tense. Our normal style of of life is to is to try to live a godly life in obedience to our Lord. That's if that's the normal lifestyle. Doesn't mean 
doesn't mean sinless perfection. Um, he's going to deal with that in verses 9 and, and in 2, 1 through 2. Notice, notice chapter 2, 1 and 2. Uh, he says, My little children, I write to you these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is a propitiation for our sin. And not only ours, but for those of the whole world. In other words, Jesus is our defense attorney if we do mess up. That's what this says. I suspect suspect he's kind of like, we kind of watch sometimes in the morning we watch the reruns of Matlock. You know, he's a defense attorney. He never loses. Jesus never loses. I'm not calling him the heavenly Matlock, but never. But at any rate, at any rate, at any rate, that's the idea here. He doesn't lose. He's not going to lose. He's saying, he's saying there, there's no sinless perfection, uh, but the overall direction of life is that of godliness. That's, that's the idea here. Walking according to the gospel in the direction of those who are saved. Second uh, uh, Corinthians 5.17, we're a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. That's, that's the idea uh, that John is expressing here. And he goes on to say, as he himself is in the light. In other words, our pattern of life is shaped after Jesus Christ. That's, that's, that's what he's saying here from verse 5. Our general pattern of life, our normative lifestyle, reflects the light of God in our day-to-day actions. If we're living that way, there's assurance. There's assurance from that. The result is we have fellowship with one another. Understand this in verse in chapter one, verse three, he says, "What we have seen and what we heard, we reclaim, we claim, proclaim to you also that you may have fellowship with us." And indeed, our fellowship was with the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ. What he is saying is the way we live our life, the or, the orderly conduct of our life under the Word of God. Uh, living in faith, uh, demonstrating, uh, demonstrating the Spirit of God working within us. When that's when that is our lifestyle, uh, our fellowship will be consistent, because our true fellowship is with God. And, and understand something. Uh, I think this text teaches us something. If you're having trouble with fellow believers, you probably better look at your relationship with God first. Because that's the one that dictates how we're going to live together. That, that's the one that dictates it. Are we in fellowship with God? Are we keeping contact with Him? Uh, if we are, we probably aren't going to have any problems with each other. And maybe that old saying will go away. To be in, uh, to be in heaven with the saints will be glory, but to live down below with the saints is another story. We won't have to say that. We won't have to say that. Uh, that's what he's saying here. That's what he's saying. Uh, that's, that's the idea. We have fellowship with God, and as such, we are his children, and we are a one big family, and we should have fellowship with one another. It should, be, it should, it, it should remain at, in the peace of God is the idea. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Hebrews 9.14, Ephesians 5.27, that we might... Present to him uh, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or having no such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. Uh, Here is the picture of, of what he is saying here. Walking in the light, walking in fellowship with one another, walking in fellowship with God 
presents a holy bride before our Lord. That's that's the idea. Our, our fellowship in the church is based on our fellowship with the Lord of the church, ultimately. That's what he's wanting us to see as, as we get here. And then he goes on in verses... <clears throat> Verses 8 through 10. And 8 through 10, he says, And if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Another negative statement. He says, if we say we have no sin. Now, this is a little bit different. In verse seven, in verse 6, these people were claiming... <clears throat> these people were claiming to have reached sinless perfection. That's what they're claiming. Uh, And that was part of the Gnostic teaching, incidentally, that they reached a higher spiritual level. You know, we were just, you know, okay, you guys, okay, but we're up here. That that was the idea that they taught. Uh, We'll see later in this book. John will use the term, which is not a bad term. It's used elsewhere and elsewhere in in Scripture uh, to talk about the knowledge that we have, where he will say epigenosis. But when he's going to use it here, he's going to use it a negative toward the Gnostics who claim that they claim we have special knowledge, we have revelation beyond you, we have special revelation. Well, that's that's where we are with with the the uh, the earlier ones uh, in verse six. They they had reached that level. They were spiritually superior and are therefore sinless. Now we come to a different idea. Uh, these people are also claiming to have reached sinless perfection. And they are basically saying they have no sin in them at all. That's what they're saying. They don't, they, they're denying, in effect, they're denying the principle of the sin nature. They're saying it doesn't exist in them. Uh, the Greeks' speculation of body and spirit, the body died, but the spirit uh, was free. The body sinned, but the spirit was blameless. And the Gnostics believed that they reached an advanced stage beyond sinlessness, uh, and that they actually reached per- perfection. That's, that's what the Greek teaching was, that crept its way into the church through the Gnostic teaching. Uh, and, and Jesus... Uh, uh, and, and John is saying, uh, if this is your claim, he says the truth is not in you. That's what he's saying. You simply don't know the truth. And for example, why would it Jesus, when he gave us the Lord's Prayer in Luke 4, the fifth petition be, forgive us our sins? Why would that be there if this was attainable? Uh, Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen says, he... He who conceals his transgression will not prosper, but whoever confesses them, or or whoever confesses and forsakes them, receives compassion. The Bible teaches the universality of sin. Uh, Psalms 4.3, Psalms 5.53, they have all turned aside, altogether they have become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Uh, Romans 3.12, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Uh, Ecclesiastes 7.20, and there's a ton more verses, but just those those uh, four as example. Uh, he's basically, they're basically saying, we have reached sinless perfection. Uh, we, we don't have a sin nature at all. 
There is no sin within us. There's an incapability of sin even in these. And basically John is saying, those who claim this, those who say they have no sin, they deceive themselves and the truth is not in them. Well, he says us. He uses everything as a proper pronoun he's not talking about but he but he uses that he uses those pronouns us and we uh, because he's talking about people that are actually in the church making these claims he's not talking about believers outside the church he's talking about i mean unbelievers outside the church he's talking about unbelievers inside the church who are and understand anyone who makes these claims is not a believer he does not know the scriptures. He does not know God. That's, that, that's, what, that's what John is wanting them to see. He's, he's saying here, he says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That's what he's saying, simply. We don't have the gospel truth if we claim this, we have no sin nature. We are, sin is absent from us. We have no no. no uh, no, uh, no truth within us. In verse 9, he makes now the positive statement. Here's the positive statement. You know, this is probably a familiar verse to all of you. I know it's one I claim a lot. Um, but it says this, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The condition is, if we confess. Uh, in, in, in other words, the idea is that we express honestly before God. Uh, that we confront our sin without excuse, without trying to justify it, without trying to defend ourselves. Well, you know, God, it was because so-and-so did this. So I just couldn't help it. I had to, you know. Sorry, don't work. Uh, 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 we, don't, we don't become defensive, but we show repentance. It's literally, if we confess if we can, if we keep on confessing our sins, this is one of those progressive verbs. This is one of those things. If we do it now and keep on doing it, it's a continual action in the life of a believer. Uh, we keep our life open before God. In other words, we keep our accounts short. We keep them paid. That's that's what that's what this is saying. It says uh, we keep everything a momentary, uh, a moment by moment for, uh, type of type of uh, type of confession. That's that's what this calls for. Uh, that's what it calls for. As we go through our life and we realize, oh, you know, you know, like I yelled at five drivers on the way to church this morning because they got in my way. You know that that kind of thing. Right, we keep. I don't think any of you did that. Fortunately for me, there was nobody on the road, so I didn't have anybody to yell at. But anyway, or I might have. Uh, anyway, then he goes on and he says, there's, there's an assurance in this. And the assurance is this. If we confess the condition, if we keep the condition, if we are moment by moment continually confessing our sins and keeping our accounts short with God, if we are doing what God has called us on us to do, then he is faithful and righteous. To forgive those, and the fulfillment is to forgive those sins, but we'll get to that in a minute. It says he is faithful and righteous. Deuteronomy 32.4. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 4. Uh, it says this, The rock, his work is perfect, for all of his ways are just, a God of faithfulness, and without injustice, righteousness, and upright is he. This, this is the God we serve. Faithful, without faithfulness is the idea here. 
Uh, Hebrews 10, 17. And their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. This, this is what he says. Uh, this, is, this is the assurance we have because we serve a right, a 